0: good to be here back in Aventura we are up to care uh, vote number 120 uh, today we have a uh, very interesting Mishnah uh, about something we deal with almost every week with our style of speaking our style of life Um... Uh, there's a pasuk that uh, in the Torah that you also say in uh, your tefillah every day. It says, Titen emet le Yaakov. Give Yaakov emet. What does it mean give Yaakov emet? What does it mean give Yaakov emet? One of the things you could understand from it is the Torah is emet. Give Yaakov the Torah, but not just your version of the Torah. Give him the emet, even if it hurts sometimes. Even if he doesn't like it, even if it contradicts his lifestyle, even if it causes him to have to get a divorce because he's married to a goya, even if it causes her to get a divorce because she's married to a goy, even if it causes him to close down his business because it's a non kosher operation, and so on and so forth. Ten lo emit, give him emit. Why? It's the only way he's going to do chuba. It's the only way he's going to do chuba. All this sugar coating. Nonsense that people try to do in order to get people to do chuvah, They say, no, no, you have to be nice to them. Okay, be nice. Give them the emet. Why does the emet contradict being nice? How would you like if people lied to you? you? You find that nice? You find that nice? Your best friend one day say, listen, buddy, by the way, my name is really Steve. What? It's not John? 20 years I think it's John. Yeah, it's really Steve. Oh, and by the way, really, I'm uh, 33 years old. I'm not uh, 23 like you. I just look 23. What? Why are you hanging out with a 23-year-old, Mr. Uh, John? That's not 33. Oh, and by the way, uh, I'm uh, really, I'm a homosexual, and I like you. That's why I hang out with you. What? That's why you hang out with you. That's why you got me the job? That's I, uh, Oh, and by the way, I, I, I'm a rapist, too. Oh, what? What? How would you like if he lied to you about all these facts? These, you count these things as important? And it's just some stupid thing I made up in my head. But the reality is, how would you like it if if this John guy that really said he's Steve, how he lied to you and your friends for so many years, and uh, all of a sudden you find out this guy is really not your friend, he's your enemy, you've been in danger the whole time, he's a serial killer on the side as a hobby. How would you like it if he lied to you? You don't like it, right? So why is it that it's okay to lie to somebody about their eternity? He just lied to you about a stupid friendship. Who cares? Friendships are like underwear. You change them every day. They come, they go, they go, it's nothing. Friendship. Go ask some old man how many friends you have? They'll start laughing in your face. Why? He says you're lucky if you have one in your lifetime. Yeah, everybody said, No, but he's my best friend. Okay, today he is. We'll talk again next year. Five years, ten years, we'll see what happens. Friends change, Abotai. No offense to your friends, it's just the reality of life. You get old, you start seeing stuff. The point is, Abotai, is that a person needs to understand he cannot take on the truth and keep it to himself and just decide, you no, no, this this is not for him. This is not for him. Titen Yaakov, give Yaakov emit, give him the truth. Why? the only way. It's the only way. Now, this type of attitude is the very same attitude of Avraham Yitzhak and Yaakov. It's the very same attitude of Moshe Rabenu. Believe it or not, it's the same attitude of Aaron Cohen. even though they said, Aaron, Rodev Shalom, Oev Shalom, he loves peace, he chases peace. What do you think he chases peace with lies? What do you think? What what do you think? He's chasing peace with lies? There's no peace when there's lies. And one of the things Be'zod Shem will show you today is a surprise. A surprise teaching from Breslov that most people view today incorrectly is like a... uh, Separate part of Judaism where everything is nice and everything is good and everyone is good and everyone is nice and no one's a Rasha and everyone is good even if they're going against Hashem and you're still good and feel good and be good and oh will be good. All this stuff there's no there has no no place no place by Rabbi Nachman. It doesn't say it. We went over it. Doesn't say it. And I'll show you some sources from Rabbi Nachman himself. Not. Somebody said that somebody said that somebody said that he heard from somebody that actually read the book. What he said? No, no. From Rabbi Nachman himself, from his book. Because there's a lot of lies today. And people confuse. They take the Torah and they manipulate it. And instead of giving emit to each other, instead of giving each other the truth, we give each other our opinion of what you think you should hear. What I think you should hear. What I think you should do. And even though sometimes what you think may be right, you have no right to say it. Why? Because your opinion is not more valuable than Hashem's. It never will be. Your opinion will never be more valuable than Hashem. Your opinion will never save somebody better than what Hashem can save. Why? He's the manufacturer. He knows the instructions better than you. So, this type of attitude... Is the same attitude of every ish emet in the history of Am Yisrael. Every single person that stood up for the truth in the history of Am Yisrael had the very same attitude that I'm telling you right now. Even if there are stories that make it sound like they were care bears and they were fun and it was great and they loved everyone and so on, that's because that story didn't talk about the reshaim, didn't talk about the wicked people that were atheists or the maskelein, the people that were trying to get people to leave the religion, or the informers, the people that uh, you know told the, uh, the the goyim about us, or the people that were missionaries. doesn't tell you the story of those. You heard the story, that's nice. There are other stories in that person's life, that's Sadiq's life. And when you hear the other story, you see, wait a minute. It's a different version, almost like a different person. No, it's the same person. Nice doesn't mean lie. It's the opposite. Nice, good, means emit. And emit also doesn't mean bad. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Because it's the only thing that works. Now, unfortunately, in today's lowly generation, people have forgotten the teachings of our sages, and they've decided to... Take the teachings of the goyim. People like Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins and uh, other types of motivational speakers and so-called coaches that have made a lot of money and they figure, oh, if they made a lot of money, it must be right. It must be true. It must be good to teach this. So now, instead of modeling ourselves... After our sages that were holy of holies, we have now have a disease within our the religious community where rabbis are trying to portray the coaches and self help gurus and all types of motivational speakers by manipulating the truth in order to fit what people hear, in order to get fans, in order to gain popularity. Today I got an email that was very disappointing. I got an email from a well-known Jewish organization that said we're promoting an event. Such and such person is going to teach people how to be coaches. Now this is a Torah organization. This is not a sales organization. This is not a marketing firm. This is a Torah organization. Their, their job in the world that they chose for themselves is to teach Torah. But now they decided today to promote a actual event, a seminar to teach people how to become coaches. With the Kishri Rosh and everything. But we're going to be coaches instead. It's a shame that we're modeling ourselves after the goyim. We look like them, our clothes, our hairdos, our words. And if you notice, people ask me all the time, how do I know who to trust? How do I know? There's so many rabbis in the world. There's so many speakers in the world. There's so many rabbinites in the world. How do I know who to trust? It's very simple. Very, very simple. You need to know what you don't know, and you need to know what you know. Meaning, you don't know if they're wicked or righteous. And you're not going to know by their speech. A person can tell you all wonderful stories, but in reality, he could be the opposite of what he says. So don't think that if he speaks well, that makes him a tzaddik, including myself. Just because you the way I speak, you like the way I speak, doesn't make me a tzaddik. Doesn't make me anything. Makes me a human being. That speaks. and not a monkey who doesn't speak. So the way somebody speaks does not make them a tzaddik. The way something, someone looks also doesn't make them a tzaddik. There are plenty of rapists and pedophiles that have payers longer than the floor. Plenty of them. There are plenty of women that look like they're righteous, but in reality they're more like Izevil from the Tanakh. There's one particular so-called Rabbanit in Israel that has dance parties with men on stage. She dances with them while blowing the Shofar. She blows the Shofar and dances with men on stage with a Kisui Rosh, not even a wig. Kisui Rosh she has, but she's dancing with men on stage. There's plenty of those. Every week there's a new one. Every week the, 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 the sewer spits them out. Every week. So the way someone looks and the way someone speaks does not make them a righteous person and not a righteous person. Sometimes you're going to see somebody without a beard and doesn't even look so religious. You see, once he starts talking, Kodesh Kodeshim, Holy of Holies. Looks can be deceiving. So first and foremost, understand that. The second thing is, is to understand that there are all, there's only one way. There's only one way to know whether you can trust that person or not. It's not going to be by their looks. It's not going to be by their speaking ability. It's not going to be by their gender. It's not going to be by where their sect is and what their tradition is. Sephardic, Ashkenazi, Yemenite, Litvish, this one, that one, Hasidish, whatever it is. It has nothing to do with that. There's only one way. Do you have sources for what you say? Does anyone verifiably good, verifiably acceptable, say what you say? Meaning, does Rashi agree with you? Does the Rambam agree with you? Does the Ben Ishai agree with you? Does the Raluvadia agree with you? Does Rabbi Akiva agree with you? Does Moshe Rabenu agree with you? Or is it just your opinion? If it's your opinion, please take it. There's a toilet right over there. Put it over there. Give me what they said. Why? Because them I can trust. You, I don't know. Them I can trust. Why? Hashem signed off on them. You, I don't know who you are. That's the only way, Rabutai. If they have sources, they tell you the sources. Not just say, I have sources for this. Like, actually show you the sources, like we tried to do. Then it's easy for you. Your job is easy. Why? All you got to do is write down the source. Oh, Gemara, what did he say? Bachot. Okay, you write down Bachot. What page? 14a. Okay, 14a. And later on, you want to check it, you go home, you open the Gemara, two, 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 two. oh, look, it says what he said. If, let's say, he made a mistake in the source, because obviously things are off the top of our heads, we make mistakes, we're human at the end of the day. You say, listen, I didn't find, don't assume, oh, he's a liar, he's a thief, he's a Korach, he's a, no, hold on, Hey, listen, uh, uh, You said this such and such. I went to the page. I couldn't find it. Oh, I'm sorry. There could be a mistake. What? Oh no, it's the wrong page. It's not 14a. It's actually 14b. It's 17a. It's the wrong. Whatever it is, there's mistakes. Mistakes have made. But if you wanna, if you wanna do yourself justice, you wanna do yourself service. Write down the sources. Go check it. Why do I tell you to go check it? Because once you know for sure that it's in there, that means God said it. Once God said it, once you know for sure God said it, the price changes. If I said it or some other some other person said it, eh, you may like it, you may dislike it. If it fits your life, you like it. If it doesn't fit your life, you don't like it, it's disposable. It's disposable. It's like, yeah, yes, maybe, no, yeah, yeah once you know it's from Hashem, once you know it's from the written or the oral Torah, then okay, it's priceless. Like it or don't like it, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference. So it's important to check. Check things out. Check things for yourself. Because once you start seeing there's a regular pattern of sources being provided, it gives you more comfort to the point where you don't necessarily have to check every single source. Well, you know already, I've already checked 5, 10, 15, 20 times. I've checked this guy's sources and difference From now on, I don't have to check every single thing. It's going to take you, it could be days. But I already know I've checked enough sources. It's reliable at this point. If you have 20 out of 20, all right, you could, in essence, feel okay that you could rely on the 21st also. It's reliable that. There's a chazakah at that point. You still should check technically. That's really Limud. Limud should be you should check every single source. That's real learning. But even if you don't check, you don't, you don't have to say, listen, I didn't check, so therefore I'm not going to do. Why? Because you've checked enough times. But if you are listening to a lecture on the internet, or you go to a lecture like this, and you see the guy speaks mamash gems. He's speaking nice things. Everybody's tadikim. You're such a tzaddik. Wow, I see the Kodesh in you. Wow, I see the aura. Oh, I feel like I'm in a little mini beta mikdash. And he tells you all types of machmaot, compliments. You're tzaddik. She's tzaddik. Everyone's tzaddiki. Moshe Rabbeinu, if you would uh, Mount Sanaa, you would replace it with today over here. All the nice machmaot and compliments that he gives. And you like it. You like it. You know, who doesn't like compliments? Anybody here doesn't like compliments, raise your hand. Everybody likes compliments. You're a human being. Everybody likes compliments. You don't like compliments? You have to check. Maybe you're not human. But everybody like everybody likes compliments normally. So the reality is something. You want to know that you're doing a good job. Somebody tells you good things about you. It's a good thing. It's nice to hear. The question is, is it true? Is it true? Are you really a tzaddik? Are you really tzaddik? Is this why you came to the lecture? To hear that somebody's telling you at tzaddik or tzaddikah? Or did you come to learn something to fix yourself? Does he have any sources for what he says? Where did he get this information? How does he know you're a tzaddik? How does he know you didn't murder 15 people on the way here? How does he know? Well, does he have? Rocha Kodesh? Point is, sometimes you go to Shurim or you listen to Shurim online and they say all types of nice things that make sense sometimes. Yeah, believe in yourself. You should believe in yourself. And if you're positive, there will be positive. All types of nice things. Is there a source? Is there a source that's a little for this? Sometimes there is, but most of the time not so much. Why? Because the Torah says other things. Torah says other things. So the point is, is that when you're listening to a speech, you have to ask yourself: Am I wasting my time listening to his opinion? Am I wasting my time? If it's his opinion, I'm wasting my time. It's not Dvarashem. Hashem. It's not Hashem's information. I want Hashem's information. If I'm already going to listen to a shul that's called a Shi'u Torah, I want to listen to Torah, not his opinion. So if you're already at the Shi'u, if you're already at the Shi'u, you could say, hey, listen, uh, K'vodarab, sorry to interrupt, is there a source for what you just said? Like, is it written somewhere? He doesn't have to necessarily have it for you on the spot. Maybe he hasn't written it out, maybe he doesn't remember it, but he could tell you, less. yes, I have it, uh, give me your number, and I'll send it to you, or your email, and I'll send it to you later on this week when I get a chance. You know, sort of like what Y.Y. Jacobson said to me a month and a half after I sent him an email asking him, does he have any sources for his shiur about all the nonsense that he said about geinom? That he said you have nothing to worry about. So I sent him a nice email telling him that there's a problem with his shiur. So a month and a half later, he replied to my email. A month and a half later, Bauch Hashem replied. At least I got a reply. What did he say in the reply? Oh, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to reply to you, but I'll get back to you. That's it. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for the actual reply. He replied to me to tell me that he's going to reply to me. Because he has a lot of emails. He's the only person on earth that has only a lot of emails. I don't also get 300 emails a day. He's the only one that gets 300 emails a day. So, I'm talking about real reply. I'm talking about somebody who says, listen, I have have an answer for you. I just don't remember it. I'm a human. I didn't write it down. I'll get back to you. Remind me. Send me a text. And uh, I'll send it to you. And then he provides you the source. Ah, that should give you some nachat. Should give you some comfort. Ah, Hashem said it. It's in the Gemara. it's in Sifra Tzadikim. it's in here, it's in there. I know someone reliable said it. Now, this type of attitude, Karim this is the emit as it is. Titen emit liyaqov. Give Yaakov emit. This is the emit. The problem is in a in a generation. Where people are looking to become coaches and self help gurus instead of rabbis and rabbiot, we have a problem. Why? This is the opposite of the norm. So this causes anyone that tries to say the emet to become on Orthodox most wanted. But not in a good way. You're put on Khirim, they don't talk to you. They pretend like you don't exist. You send emails, they don't reply. It's like, no, I didn't get it. What do you mean, guys? Sent eighteen times from different email addresses. You never got it. They have all types of events. They don't call you. They don't invite you. You call them. Listen, you're having this event. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna come speak for free. Everybody else is getting paid five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars. I'll come for free. And by the way, I'm more popular than all of them, so you don't have to worry about popularity. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about the emit. Also, I'll, provide, I'll bring you the source ahead of time. Oh no, we're booked. We're booked. There's a spot. You're having an event. So this type of attitude doesn't make you very popular. It doesn't make you very popular because people are not looking for the emit, Because the Gemaraim Masechet uh, Sotah, page 49b, says that before Mashiach comes, there's going to be a lack of emit. There's going to be a lack of emit. Emet is going to be hated, truth is going to be hated. The chutzpah is gay. Chutzpah means rudeness, but not just rudeness between one person and another. Rudeness between Am Yisrael and Hashem Itbarach. We're going to have the nerve to say that we can manipulate His Torah according to our own standards. So now this type of debate, people say, oh, listen, you know, why aren't you uh, telling people in a nicer way? Don't be a bal Machloket. Don't cause a Machloket. Don't cause a debate between Am Yisrael or a Kitrug. You know, bring a case against them. It's not nice. You should be Marbim Shalom. Tabideh Chalim Shalom. Bring peace. Everyone likes Kumbaya. Have a little bonfire, maybe some potatoes. Give us some, you know, the stories of the tzaddikim. Nice. Why do you have to rebuke, rebuke, rebuke constantly? Why? Say nice things. Everyone's tzaddikim. What, does it cost you anything to say the tzaddikim? So, this Mishnah is about that. And Be'ezat Hashem will see that this is not only the derech emet, but it's the only emet. It's the only way. It's not just one of the ways. It's the only way. There's only one emit. There's not two emits. There's one emit. And we're going to try to put some clarity on some of the things that are said out there that are just simply wrong. And with Shem, we'll try to complete as much as possible this uh, Mishnah today. Maybe it'll be a two-part or three-part shiur. Who knows? We never know really. It's all in Hashem's hands. But Hashem, this will also this truth is going to bring some clarity for everyone that's really looking for the truth. If you're not looking for the truth, I can't help you. Like one of the people that sent me a message today, he says he wants to have a debate. Everyone wants to want to have a debate with me. Like I have nothing to do with my life. I have nothing to do. I'm bored all day. I'm looking for people to send me messages. I want to have a debate, and he wants to do it on video, and he wants to record it. And he's an unknown; no one knows who he is. But why did you want to have a debate? He wants to have a debate to prove to me that God doesn't exist. That's what he wants. He wants his debate is that I need to prove them that God exists. Like I owe him something. So, the simple response for any of these people that want to debate about nonsense is the following: Number one, I'm not interested. Number two, I'm not interested. Number three, I'm not interested. And the reason why is because if you are still at the stage where you believe that you came from a monkey, then you should go to a zoo and visit your ancestors. It's kvod It's respecting and honoring your parents. Go to the zoo and visit them. Go visit the monkeys. Give them some bananas. Why are you leaving them behind a cage? Why aren't you behind a cage? If you really believe you came from monkeys, I can't help you. I can't help monkeys. I help people. Now, if you have a safeq, you have doubts, you're not sure, and so on, why are you asking for a debate? You have problems, you have issues, no problem. You can ask as many questions as you want. Baruch Hashem, many people have come to me from all walks of life, whether they're homosexuals or they're atheists or they're Christians or all types of things. If they really looked for their met, I provided it to them, and Baruch Hashem, a very high success ratio. One woman that was a Christian, she tried to she tried to be a missionary. She tried to, but I'm serious. She sent me uh, stuff about Christianity one time. So you should, uh, you know, my response automatically to missionaries is, please leave idol worship, don't share it with people, and here's some truth. Here's some truth. I sent him some information, either by uh, Rabbi Mizrahi's uh, debate or other information from Rabbi Tovia Singer. My lecture now that I did about Christianity, proving that it's complete nonsense and so on and so forth. I sent her a bunch of information, not knowing where this is going to go. I just send the information. I'm just, a, I'm just a, a delivery guy. After she reviewed the information, I think maybe a month later, or less than a month later, she was very, very serious because there was a lot of information. A month later, she says, how could I convert to Judaism as soon as possible? Mamash! It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. One guy was brought up in a upside-down world where he was led to believe that there's nothing wrong with homosexuality. That it's actually a good thing. Freedom, you could do whatever you want. One day you're here, one day you're there. What's the problem? You never knew, Young kid, young. If you go to my website, on... Uh, the section called Chuva stories. Chuva stories. He wrote a story. He wrote his Chuva story. And he said the Musar Shurim that he's learned with us over the last couple of years, he has now gone to the point, not only did he stop all of this nonsense, this homosexuality mindset and actions, but now he doesn't even have the craving. The, the power of the Torah the power of the emit has gotten him to the point where he no longer has the crave, no desire whatsoever for any homosexual thoughts. Nothing. It's not that he just stopped because he knows it's a sin, which is good enough. But now he, ha- he has actually got. He's learned so much. He's purified himself to such an extent he no longer has the desire. This is uh, people think it's not possible because uh, the 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 uh, psychiatrist of the world said you're born this way. If you're born this way, if, if you're like this, then you can't, it's like DNA, you can't change it. That's why they have these, Shem uh, and Chem, all types of uh, horrible child abuse cases where the parents decide because the kid likes to play with Barbies, oh, he, he really is a girl inside a boy's body. There's a case, there's a case in Europe, seven-year-old boy, they want to change his sex. Because the boy says, oh, I like to play with uh, Barbies and so on. And the parent says, yeah, I think he's a girl in a boy's body. So now they're trying to fight it, the law. They're trying to fight the law. Why? Because they, th- they want to change his sex. This is child abuse. This is child abuse. You're a seven-year-old, you're going to change his, his, his sex or something wrong. But this is the upside down what we have. This is what we have. Without Torah Rabutai, we're worse than animals. We have no instructions. We have our own instructions. We said it on Sunday. So, the emet has an extraordinary amount of power, the emet has such power to do things that can rewire your brain in such a wonderful way that you will never have a single doubt in your mind. Even the things you're not sure about, even the things that you really don't know why it's happening, why did you get into an accident, why did you lose the money, why is your wife yelling at you, why is this, Why you don't really know the answers for everything, but you know it's all under control. Why? Because you know there's a source for all of it. And the name is Hashem. And you know the answers are available. Where? In the instruction set, called Torah. You just haven't gone over that chapter yet. Go, look, you'll find. There's answers for everything. So we're not looking to be Baalim, Achloke, people that create debates for no reason. But debates nonetheless are part of Judaism. Are part of the Torah, actually a very important of it. A very important part of the Torah is debating. But now this Mishnah is going to tell you that there's two types of debates. One debate is for shamayim. One debate is for heaven, for the sake of heaven, for the sake of the truth. The other debate is for the sake of egos, pride, winning. You want to win. You want to win. You want to be popular. You want to prove that you're right, even if you're wrong, like a lawyer. A lawyer doesn't care if his client is innocent or guilty. He just wants to win. That's the job. That's the problem also with being a criminal lawyer, by the way. As a Jew, Jew, you really can't be a criminal lawyer because you have to defend them according to the law of the land. If you take on a client, you have to defend them. Now, if you find out that your client is really a criminal... And he's not innocent. You still have to defend them. That's a problem. That's a very serious problem. You cannot defend them if you're a Jew. It's not a good job for a Jew. So now this Mishnah in Hey Chaf, five twenty, says here these are the following two types of debates, disputes. Kol machloket Sofalit Kayim Vishena Shem Shamayim, and sofalit Kayim Ezoi Machloket Shi'il Shem Shamayim, Zomachloket Hilelbe Shamayim, Vishena Shem Shamayim, Zomachloket Korach Vikol Adatur. Translation Any dispute that is for the sake of heaven will have a constructive outcome. But any dispute that is not for the sake of heaven will not have a constructive outcome. We'll explain, obviously, what this means by constructive outcome. What sort of disputes were for the sake of heaven? The dispute between Hillel and Shammai. Which disputes are not for the sake of heaven? The disputes of Korach and his entire company. So here, we see that There are two types of disputes, two types of debates that are very, very critical parts of our Torah. The two examples that are given to us are examples that almost every Jew has heard about, religious or non-religious. Every Jew has heard about Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel. Hillel and Shammai were a chavruta, were one of the zugot, that they studied and studied and studied the emet and had difference of opinion, difference on opinion on over 300 issues. Many times they agreed, but the parts that are specifically highlighted in our oral Torah, in our Talmud, in our Gemara, are the debates, are the ones where they disagreed. But they disagreed to such an extent that in some cases... They were on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. And in some cases, the passion between the students of Hillel and Shammai got to such a high extent that you would think they were enemies. Like, for example, if you look at the Gemara Maseret Brachot, they debate. They debate. Sunny, you read this already. You passed this section already where it says the debate about Kriyat Shema. When you say, Kriyat and the debate is, there's a few different debates about it. One of them is, are you supposed to say, Kriyat sitting down or standing up? Sitting down or standing up? Shammai says you should stand up. He says you can sit down. such a big deal. Sit down, stand up. Uh, do whatever you want. Lay down. What, what's the problem? The debate got so heated. Actually, I think it's the opposite. He uh, said, regardless, both of them are the same. And Shammai said, you should sit down. Either way, at one point it says, anyone that sits down, specifically because... I think it was Shemai that said it, should be cursed from heaven. Shem oh, Ho! I'm just trying to learn some Torah over you. What do you want for my life? Sitting down, standing up, sitting down, standing up. You're going to curse me from heaven? Not if you stand up or you sit down, just because. But because he said it. Passionate. Passionate. So you would think these are bitter enemies. But yet... If you look at the Gemara, in Masechet Yevamot, page 13b, you'll see that Bet Hillel and Bet Shammai, regardless of all of their machlokit, regardless of all of their debates, their heated debates, they showed the best proof in the world that they are for heaven. Because even though they actually even debated about the issues of Arayot, Issues of sex, issues of intimacy. Meaning these are different things that are the difference between life and death. One thing could be a mitzvah, and the other one says, no, it's a sin. Gilu it's death penalty. They even debated on certain things like this. A very, very touchy subject. Said, even though they debated about such touchy subjects like Arayot, they still allowed their children to marry each other. And in fact, that was the goal. Get their children to marry each other. That was the idea. Oh, you're going to marry but Bech- uh, daughter. Oh, Shammai. Oh, well, no, it shouldn't be uh, some other rabbi. No, 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 Shammai, the best. But you debated him last week. That's different. We're debating for the Emmet. We're trying to arrive at the Emmet. I love him. He's my brother. Today, this is, sounds like a chidush. You're debating him but you like him too. How could it be? You're supposed to hate him, No. That's called, Rabotai, a debate for the Emit, for Shem Shamayim, for the sake of heaven. In Igmarah in Maseret Eruvin, says that there are certain times that you'll actually see that alacha goes like Hillel most of the time, it goes like Hillel. But there are a few cases where it goes like Bet Shemayim. There are a few cases like those like Bet Shemai, And as a matter of fact, the Chida, the Chida quotes the Ritva, who reports in the name of some Kabbalists of his time, that one of the things that we know from generation after generation is that when a Mashiach comes... Even though all of the alakha for the most part is going by Bet Hillel, when Mashiach comes, we're actually going to switch. i are going to go by Bet Shammai. We're going to go by Shammai. Things are going to change. But regardless of that, one of the purposes of this Mishnah is to teach us that regardless of whether it's Bet Shammai or Bet Hillel, a person that learns Gemara, a person that learns the Allahot, a person that learns the details, starts seeing that really, <speaking in Hebrew> this one and that one are both the words of the living God. They're both right. The fact that the actual alakha goes by Hillel doesn't mean that Shammai is wrong. Chas <speaking in Hebrew> v'shalom for a person that thinks such a thing. It doesn't mean Shammai is wrong. It just means... We go by healing. And that's something you're only going to learn through understanding who we're dealing with here. On the other hand, the other example is the example of Korach v'Adato. Korach was very wealthy. Korach came from a very good family, was a levy. But Korach wasn't happy with his share. He wanted more it wasn't enough that he was the richest man of all time. He wanted more. It wasn't enough that he was a levy He wanted more So how do I get more everybody loves Moshe Rabbeinu? Everybody love him. I'm gonna go against Moshe Rabbeinu. How? they love him. He just took him out of Egypt. You just saved everybody's life I'm gonna go against them You see from the parasha that it actually happens right after What happened with the Meraglim? Despise when Hashem decided that the generation has sinned to such a great extent that no one is going to enter Eretz Israel, everyone is going to die in a desert. So everybody became very depressed. Kohar says, Ah, perfect. Everybody's depressed. I'm going to go after Moshe. I'm going to show them. Hashem didn't say this. No way. Everyone's Sadiqim. I'm going to get them to Eretz Israel. He found a weak moment. Meaning he wasn't looking to be a leader because he cared. He wanted to become a leader because he wanted to become a leader. had all to do with pride. He wanted to be right. So in today's world, one of the problems with debates is that people misunderstand the value of it in Torah. Many of the debates that you're going to see, especially if you look at, uh, for example people that debate publicly like Christians against Jews, for the most part, it shouldn't happen. For the most part, Jews and Christians should not debate. And the reason why is because most Jews don't know Christianity. So for you to go and defend Judaism in front of an ignorant world that doesn't know this one or that one, and if they know one, they probably know the opposite, the wrong one. And you don't really look so sharp when they start mentioning verses to you about Tanakh, because most Jews don't learn entire Tanakh. They learn just the Chumash. They learn just the Gemara. They learn some Halakhot. If you don't know the New Testament as good as Rabbi Tovia Singer or Rabbi Mizrahi, or some of the others, the few, literally a handful of great masters of both Torah and also with extensive knowledge of the idolatry of uh, of uh, the New Testament. I think there's one rabbi uh, recently found out about Rabbi uh, Blumenstein, I think his name is. He's been uh, debating uh, that uh, Rasha uh, Brown for some time. Uh, and then there's also... Um, from uh, Jews for Judaism from Canada. What's his name? Tadik. I forget his name. Also, very, very big Talmud Chacham. He has a nice organization. is one. Huh? No, but there's another one. There's a um, Skobak, Skobak. Rabbi Skobak. So these people know both the Torah and they know the New Testament. They're allowed. They have straight mind. They have straight knowledge of both, extensive, no problem. But most people that debate, you see some of these debates online, it's Chilul Hashem. It's a desecration of Hashem's name. Why? Because some rabbi decided he wants to get an audience, maybe a few donations, maybe he's going to become popular amongst some goyim or something. He goes, to, uh, he goes and he tries to debate, and uh, the guy eats him up. And he looks like an idiot. And he makes the Torah look foolish. So for the most part, most of these debates shouldn't happen anyway. Second of all, everything has already been said. Everything has already been said. Whether you want it said from today's words from the rabbis that I mentioned, or you want it to go all the way from the debates of the Ramban. Almost 900 years ago, you read the book, you see all the questions they answered already 900 years ago, there's nothing new under the sun. There's no point from further debate. They can't go. They cannot prove that Christianity has any validity. After you look at these questions, there's hundreds and hundreds of unanswered questions. I think it's like something like 800 unanswered questions about Christianity. Once you have one, there's already a doubt in the entire religion. When you have nine, 800, you still believe in this nonsense. There's no debate to be said. But even if you want to continue debating... You have to ask yourself a, po- a question. What's the point? Why are you debating? For what? What, what is it going to give you? What, are you looking to win? Or are you looking to sanctify Hashem's name? If you're looking to sanctify Hashem's name, there's much better ways than, of, of doing it. How? Go publicize Torah to Am Yisrael. Go publicize the truth to Am Yisrael. You don't have to publicize Christianity to them. The same thing goes with debating other types of people that are koflim, heretics, and so on. Most of them are just looking for a stage. Most of them are just looking for popularity. If you're also looking for popularity, then uh, obviously you should follow the rest of this year because we're going to talk about you. But if you're really looking to do things for the sake of heaven, you have to think, you have to calculate. Why? What's the point of all this? Is it donations? Is it popularity? Or is it for Hashem? If it's for Hashem, what does He get out of it? There's already people that said what you said. Why would you say it again? What if you mess up? What if you forget? Is there no one else in the world for you to to, to teach Torah? So that's another thing. The other issue is when people debate, when it comes to Ashkafa and Alacha, both the philosophical beliefs of Judaism and also the laws of Judaism. And when one rabbi says that his understanding of modesty is such and such, and that contradicts another rabbi's understanding of modesty or any other law, most people immediately pick a side that they favor and turn the other one into amalik, turn the other one into Isa Haman. He is uh, wicked, he's an idiot, he's a fool, he's a this, he's a that. This is a mistake. This is a very, very big mistake, especially if you're talking about the holy rabbis of the previous generation. There There were several really big debates by giants in previous generations that were very bitter very heated with a lot of casualties. One of the heated debates were between the Yavits, the Hasid Yavits, debating the machloket between him and Rabbi Yonatan Aybishits. The Yavits didn't know Rabbi Yonatan Aybishits, he didn't know him. But he believed Rabbi Yonatan Aybishits is a advocate and a uh, promoting Shabtai Tzvi. The fake Mashiach. And he thought uh, the, 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 the Yavitz was certain that Shabtai Tzvi was rasha, Whereas many Chachamim in the world were not so sure until he became rasha, Until it was verifiable, many people fell for him. It's not like just because you learn Torah you become a prophet. These There are hundreds of fake messiahs throughout all of our history. Hundreds of them. J.C. Penny is just the most popular one. He's not the only one. Shabtai Tzvi is another one. And there's been other ones. Bar Kokhba. There's been several of them throughout history. Now, what classifies one to be like a fake Mashiach? There's plenty of people that send me messages every week, tell me they're Mashiach. One guy calls himself uh, his name Ben David. He is his name Ben David. His name is he's the son of David. He calls himself like after like as if he's the he's the Mashiach. Another one just calls himself Mashiach. That's it, straight up. He's Mashiach. He's not Jewish, but he's Mashiach. Uh, there's plenty of Mashiach that send me emails. So what what classifies someone as a fake Mashiach that's actually documented? Believe it or not. The ones that are documented are because many people fell for them. let the Thank you. The ones that are documented, like the Shabtai Tzviz of the world, Imach and the J.C. Penny Shimo, that's because they succeeded in fooling great people. Even Rabbi Akiva thought that Bar Kochba was actually a Mashiach. Rabbi Akiva, Kodesh Kodeshim, that the Torah vouches for him that he reached the highest level of Kedusha in the history of mankind. He reached the 50th level of Kedusha. Even higher than Moshe Rabbeinu. Prophecy, no one's like Moshe. But Kedusha, Rabbi Akiva, they say there's an opinion that says Rabbi Akiva reached the highest level, 50. Moshe reached 49. Rabbi Akiva, Made a mistake. If it was written, I wouldn't be allowed to do it. Hashem would burn me on the spot. It was written in the Torah. Say such a thing about Rabbi Akiva. He made a mistake. What's the mistake? He thought for a moment that Bar Kokhba had supernatural powers, which he did. He actually did have supernatural powers. He was able to, you know, take boulders the size of this building in one hand and throw them at the Romans and kill hundreds in one shot. That's not. If that's not Mashiach, what is? It's not like he just, oh, listen, I like this guy. He has nice payers. He has nice payers, He gave a chidush during uh, Sudash Lishit. No, I mean, he had superpowers. He says, this one is a uh, Mashiach. Mashiach is supposed to have superpowers. He has superpowers. So it's not like just a mistake, like we make mistakes, like we make a mistake every Wednesday. I make a mistake on the way to the lecture. I always go to the wrong one. Every Wednesday I go to the wrong one. Every Wednesday, I have to add another half hour to the trip because I know I'm going to the wrong one. Instead of just looking at the instructions, I go to the wrong one. Every Wednesday. So it's not like my mistake. Mistake here, you're seeing somebody lift the building. Imagine, imagine right now, you just see somebody go outside. Hey guys, guys, come outside. Everybody comes outside. See somebody, hey guys, look. Bristol said there's one in my hand. Guys lifting the whole building on his hand. Imagine, you're not going to believe the guy's in Mashiach. I would believe I'm Mashiach if I could build a building. I'm guys, I'm Mashiach. Look, I can build a building. It's on my hand. That I don't know. That I don't know. But the point is, is that Rabbi Akiva made a mistake and thought that he was Mashiach. And it was wrong. And Bar Bar Kokhba's end was bitter painful, and embarrassing. He said to Hashem, the Gemara says, Hashem, why don't you just mind your own business? Let me take care of everything. We don't need your help. We don't need your mitzvah. We don't need anything. We don't need you to hurt us, and we don't need you to help us. I'll take care of everything. The the, the koach, the strength that Hashem gave him, he forgot where it came from. He thought he has it. It was his strength. So what did Hashem say? Oh, I won't help you. Oh, I won't help you. No problem. But listen, <speaking in Hebrew> David, a melek rolin teilim, Hashem opens his arms and he feeds every being. So I have to feed every one of my bee, every one of my creatures. I have to feed them. There's one creature I have. this little snake, tiny, cute little snake. You should peaches. You should invite him for dinner. I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna send the snake to go eat when. When you go into the bathroom. So one day when little uh, Bar Kokhba, giant Bar Kokhba, the lift buildings, he goes to the bathroom like every human being. With all the strength that he has, he starts to go to the bathroom. He goes to the bathroom and uh, and the snake goes for lunch. And while he's going to the bathroom, he finished. He's dead. What happened with all your strength? What happened with all your strength means nothing without Hashem. There's no strength. There's no strength. While he went to the bathroom, they they saw him lying with his pants down. But that's what he deserved for saying such stupid things. That's what a person deserves for saying stupid things against Hashem. No, there's no uh, special mercy for such a uh, wicked person. But the point being, Abhutai, is that even though his end was bitter, many followed him and many made a mistake. No different... Then what happened at the time of Shap Tzvi? Many fell for him, made him made a mistake. And some of the great minds, some of the most righteous people in history believed he was really Mashiach. The amount of genius that he had didn't seem like it was human. We're thinking, oh yeah, he probably like was able to like, add big numbers together. Oh yeah, he was probably like able to like you know make cool magic tricks. No. Somebody came to Shabbat me and told him, listen, I have an enemy. This guy is trying to mess with me. He goes, oh, tell me his name. Tell me his name. Okay, don't worry, he's dead. What do you mean he's dead? He's here, you're he, 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 in Egypt. In two different countries. Yeah, don't worry, he's dead. They go, they went, they checked, the guy died. They go, they went, they checked, the guy died. You're not going to believe the guy's Mashiach. That's what it says, Mashiach is going to Kill with just a word. They brought this to the Yavis. The Yavis said, wait, hold on a second. What exactly happened? He said, oh, I told them about this guy. I have a problem with him. And then he took some plant or something. And he said he died. Oh, he's Mashiach Shekel. He's Mashiach Shekel. He's a, he's a liar. He's not Mashiach. That's a proof. Why? He says the Mashiach kills with words. He used some type of plant that's like voodoo. That's something magic trick. It's not Mashiach. So that was the proof of the Yavit. You're only going to know this if you know Torah. He used some tricks. That's not Mashiach. Mashiach kills with words. Words alone. No magic tricks. No uh, plants. No dolls. No nothing. Words. He used something. He's Mashiach Sheker. He's a fake, fake Mashiach. False Messiah. But still, some people didn't know this and fell for it, unfortunately. But the debate between the Yavits and Rabi and i was not because of an ego, I'm right and you're wrong. Chas Shalom that a person would think that. It was for the emet. It was for the truth. One believed Mashiach came, the other one said no. One believed this is the truth, the other one said no. They weren't fighting against each other. They were fighting for the emet, just like every other sage in history. The students, on the other hand, were a problem. Why? The students didn't care about the emet so much. They cared about winning. And that's why Rabbi Shlomkin Mizvil, who died in 1945, so this is not too long ago, was from the Hasidut of Zvil. Today it's Ukraine. And Rabbi Shlomkin Mizvil, who this Hasidut, by the way, according to their history, I read up a little bit about it, the original the original Rabbi Mizvil says is connected all the way to David Melech, All the way to David Amilich. So Rabbi Shlomkin Mizvil, everyone knew this one, he has kochot, he has powers, he has super he knows supernatural things. He's not a ben adam pashut. He's not a simple person. But everyone knew there's an unusual amount of cats in his yard. Why do you have so many cats? It's your cats. So one of the talmidim, one of his chassidim, said, "Kvadarav, you have hundreds of cats in your in your yard over here. You want me to kick them out or something?" He goes, "No, don't touch them. Why not, Kvod Arab. He goes, "No, these are the talmidim." These are the students of Rabbi Notan and the Yavits who had a machloket but not for Shemaim. The rabbis, Rabbi Notan and the Yavits, were Kodesh Kodeshim. Their machloket, their debate was for heaven. But the students wasn't for heaven. was to be right. was for pride. What happened to them? They had to reincarnate like cats. I'm trying to fix them. I'm trying to help them to not become cats. Go to Gan Eden maybe. At least go to Gehenom, so they stop. Finish this tikkun. They had to come back as cats. They had to come back as cats. Why the machloket was not for heaven? Now think about this for a moment, Rabbeinu. These are people that fulfilled the entire Torah. Mi alef These are not mechale Shabbat. These are not thieves. These are not rapists. These are not. Uh, these, these are people that kept the entire Torah. These people kept the entire Torah. Shabbat, Tefillin, everything. What happened? Oh machlok it not for Shamaim! Okay, you're gonna become a cat. Scary stuff. Scary stuff. And the reason why, Rabutaai, is because people forget that if your debate is not for Shamayim, then it's a bizaion Torah, then it's a disrespect, it's a dishonour to the Torah. Today we had a shiur with myself and my rabbi Rabbi Fraim. And he started off the year about talking about Kvodat Torah, the honor of Torah, and how it literally in the past has always been honor of the Torah and there's always been disrespect of the Torah. Today there's just a disrespect. People, even religious people, simply do not understand, many of them simply do not understand what Kvodat Torah is. To such an extent that Arav Mazuz, Sheikh one of the current G'dolei Adol, he said in a recent lecture on Moshe Shabbat that when people put the pictures of rabbis that have passed on in their books because they wrote them a letter or they vouch for them or they wrote a book in their name or anything like that, he says this, many of these times that you put the pictures of these rabbis in the books, it's actually a disrespect of the Torah. Why? Because they put the pictures of the rabbi like, you know, two days before he died, when he's like half dead. Not when he looked good and he was strong and, you know, and, and everything was good. They put him when he's like this. He's on his deathbed. It's like, oh, the tzaddik, the kadosh, the holy of holy, this. Okay, he's on a hospital bed. Why couldn't you pick a better picture? Why couldn't you put a picture where he's strong and young and good? Why? Why do you have to put the picture where he's in a hospital bed with the IV coming out? His tongue sticking out because he's half dead. This is the Torah. This is the honor of Torah. Why are you putting such a picture? No, it's honor of the rabbi. Okay, honor of the rabbi, put a better picture. How would you like if somebody put a picture of you being in the bathroom? Honor. So this, these are things that people don't think about. Why? Because they're completely disconnected from the truth about honoring Torah. So, the Mishnah starts off with a very, very straightforward statement any dispute that is for the sake of heaven will have a constructive outcome. The Rambam explains that the constructive outcome of a dispute that's for the sake of heaven refers to the fact that even the view of the opinion that's not adopted, meaning the opinion that, in essence, in our words, our simple language, lost, will still be remembered and discussed One of the examples that's used is the fact that even though in most of the machlokets in most of the debates between Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel We go with Bet Hillel one of the prime examples that the side does not adopt it will be remembered is Actually that at the time of Mashiach We're gonna go with Bet Shammai now Machzon Vitri looks at Sofalit Kayem that the, uh, the, uh, it will eventually be, it'll be a constructive ending, that the dispute will endure in the end, is actually when people argue in search of truth rather than out of contentiousness, meaning out of ego and so on. This is referring specifically to constructive criticism. Constructive criticism today is not very popular. And the reason is because most people misunderstand what constructive criticism is. In many cases, people don't like constructive criticism. Because they just look at the criticism part, not at the constructive part. Why are you criticizing me? I'm trying to help you out. Don't help me. So you want to just continue walking into the train? You prefer to just walk on the train tracks? You prefer for me not to tell you? You prefer to get a divorce, you don't want me to tell you how to save your marriage. You prefer for your kids to continue being off the deck, you don't want me to tell you how to save them, how to change schools. You prefer to continue uh, having a bad marriage because your wife knows that you're cheating on her every second of your life because you're looking at other women. Without being with other women, you're cheating on her. Why are you looking at other women? That's enough. For a woman, that's enough. For a woman, that's enough for her to lose her trust in you. You don't want me to tell you the truth, Oh, oh, neither you say it. It sounds constructive. Oh, but the point is that many times, people don't want it. And this is not new. This is not new. This is actually written in Taylim, in Psalm number fifty. Hashem says, "V'larasha Amar Elohim ma lechal chukai." In chapter 50, in uh, verse 16, Hashem says, But to the wicked God said, To what purpose do you recount my decrees and bear my covenant upon your lips? For you hate musar, you hate discipline, and you threw my words behind you. Somebody came and told you, want to teach you. why don't you want to come to a Musashiu? Nah, Kaved, it's heavy. I don't want somebody telling me that I have to do this and I have to do this. Hashem says, oh, you don't like Musa? You're Rasha. You don't like Musa? You're Rasha. Why you're Rasha? Because without Musa, there's no way for you to do Chuvah. You're never going to check yourself without someone telling you, hey, buddy, you have to check yourself. Why? Because a person, according to the Gemara Masechet Yoma, a person does not see the wrong in himself. Naturally, a person does not see the wrong in himself. How how could he see the wrong in himself? By having a real friend. What's a real friend? Not a real friend goes with you to the movies. Not a real friend he gives you a ride to to uh, to the beach or to your job or he gives you challah every Friday. What's a real friend, Rabbi What's a real friend? A real friend is a person who tells you, Hey, my brother, that's not the way to speak. Hey, you really shouldn't waste your time. Hey, you shouldn't do this. You should, a, a, a real friend is someone that gives you musab. Someone that gives you musav. So, the Machzon Vitri says that constructive criticism, constructive criticism is critical. But what is constructive criticism? Why is there such confusion? Because what constructive criticism really is, is when a person gives advice out of concern for the other, and has no hint of self-glorification. Because if it has any sense of pride, any sense of glorification, in essence meaning you want to be right, it will never achieve its purpose. If it has purity and you're really just looking to help the person, then it'll achieve its goal by finding a place in the other person's heart. This is the other reason of why constructive criticism doesn't work for most people. Because most people that give criticism, the constructive part is not constructive in a positive way. They're not trying to give them constructive criticism because they're trying to help the other person. They're trying to construct their own ego. They're trying to build their own ego, do construction on their ego, build their ego to make everybody, hey, look, I told him to do this and he did it, and look what I was, see? I told him to do this and he didn't do it, and see? I was right, I was right. He constantly want to tell you, I'm right, I'm right, see? See? I told you so. And now we had a actual Mishnah in Avot that we learned some months ago. Amit beklon en lo chalek le'olam Someone that takes honor in his fellow's failure loses his share of the world to come. Something that every single one of us has done at least once, twice or a thousand times in our life because we didn't know it was a law. So, constructive criticism is a very critical part of being a Jew. But if you're doing it because you like to tell people I told you so or because you like to be right, please help yourself Don't do it. Keep your mouth shut. What you're doing is a sin. It's not a mitzvah. It's not constructive criticism for Hashem. It's constructive criticism for your ego. And in that case, not only is it a sin for you to do it, but it's also going to hurt the other person. He's not going to accept what you say, even if it's right. Because his neshama knows that you're full of it. So by default, it's not going to accept it from you. By default, is not going to accept it from you. Now, this all sounds sounds fine and dandy. Is there a proof for all this in the Torah? Answer is yes. We go to the book of Leviticus. Nice chidush that Shimon Olad Hashem gave me. Sometimes I see these things, and I say, Hashem, why don't you just do it yourself? I haven't said a single word for my own opinion. Why don't you just tell them everything? There's no point of me showing up. So in the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, we have one of the most important mitzvot in the Torah that is not so popular today. The mitzvah of ocheach tochiach et amitecha. The mitzvah of that you must rebuke your brother. Now, In this chapter, Parashat Kedoshim, this is the chapter about how to become a holy person. How to become a holy person. Now, the verse goes as follows. It says, (laughs) Lo tisna et achicha bilvavecha, ocheach tochiach et amitecha, velo tisa alavchet. Lo ve et. These are a couple of verses, chapter 19, verse 17 and 18. would say the following: "Do not hate your brother in your heart. You must rebuke your fellow and don't bear a sin because of him. And then it continues, and you shall love your fellow as yourself. Now every Jew knows the last part. Every Jew. Religious, not religious. In fact, some of the most irreligious people love this mitzvah. You must love people, so don't leave leave me alone. Don't tell me anything about Shabbat. You must love me, so don't tell me I'm going to die because I don't keep Shabbat. You must love me, so you should do this, you should do this, you must love me, right? So people think sometimes... That if you love somebody, that means that you are you should lie to them for their own benefit. And the chiddush here is that Hashem has actually wrote these specific mitzvot in Parashat Kedoshim because this is exactly a map of how to become a holy fellow Jew. Now there are several parts to holiness. Holiness in one aspect is holiness in regards to your intimacy between you and your wife, your husband and you, and so on. In regards to Agayot. But also in regards to you and your fellow Jew, whether your fellow Jew is your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband, or it could be a neighbor or a rabbi or so on. Hashem says, I want to teach you how to truly express your love. What does it mean, I love you? What does it mean? We had a couple of lectures about I love you. We covered a lot of material. But in so many words, love is something that's free. Love is something that does not have any strings attached to it. And love, in so many words, is selfless. Selfless, meaning you're removing yourself. You're doing it purely because it's for the benefit of the other person, not because you get a benefit out of it. Selfless, you're removing yourself from it. Not selfish like most of us are. By the way, what is the Mabul outside? noah is coming with the ark. why is it raining so high? We can still hear. It. Usually we can't hear the Mabul from the outside. What's happening? noah is coming? We're not finishing the palm, we're not finishing the shoe, we have another section. No but meant usually we don't hear what's going on outside. Was the door open or something? No no no, it's very good Uh uh-huh. Okay. on the internet, we're safe. Noah hasn't knocked on the door yet. But we hear the mabul. If you're hearing static, it's not static. It's actually rain on the building. (laughs) Okay, so here here we have an instruction. A map. A manual. A manual of how to love your fellow Jew. Right here in these verses. And this is how it goes. You have to understand how to read the verses. It starts off with the mitzvah of don't hate your brother in your heart. It ends off with the mitzvah of you must love your brother. So don't hate him. Shouldn't that mean if I don't hate him, I love him? No. Don't hate him is one thing. Love him is something completely different. There's one thing that's connecting. Rebuke him. How is rebuking him Going to get me from not hating him to loving him so i understood this as follows and i know it's right don't hate your brother by keeping the truth in your heart it says don't hate your brother the verse actually says don't hate your brother in your heart how you hate your brother in your heart because you have the truth in your heart you know that you're not allowed to drive on shabbat and he doesn't. You know that you're not allowed to be with a uh, intermarried, and he doesn't. You know that you're not allowed to be immodest, and she doesn't. Don't keep it in your heart, because keeping it in your heart makes you evil. Because that person is going to die one day, they're going to go to she's going to show up in front of Hashem, and Hashem says, why did you go against me your whole life? I gave you 70, 80 years, I give you eyes, ears, nose, parents, kids, money, house, food, everything that you could possibly want throughout your life. And never once did you do what I said. No, no, oh, why? Why do you say that, Hashem? Look, every day you made people sin by the way you walk around half naked. Every day you made people sin by your behavior, by your words, by your this, by your that. Uh, why? She goes, well, I don't know. My religious friends never told me. So I never knew. Oh, you mean your, your enemies? No, no, my friends. No, no. If they didn't tell you the truth, they're your enemies. They're not your friends. They hate you. If they don't tell you the truth, they're not your friends. They hate you. If you have a friend that knows that Hashem Yerachem, your wife is cheating on you and he keeps it a secret, he hates you. He doesn't love you. Oh no, I don't want to ruin his marriage. What do you mean you don't want to ruin? It's already ruined, you moron. It's already ruined. She's cheating. He's cheating. Someone's cheating. Keeping the truth is not a favor. Hashem says, Don't hate your brother in your heart by keeping the truth. And then it continues and it says you must rebuke your fellow and don't bear his sin. What does it mean you must rebuke your fellow and don't bear his sin? Okay, so tell him the truth. So what does that have to do with bearing the sin? Ah, the Gemara in Masechet Shabbat says what happens if you don't tell him? What happens if you know that you're not allowed to walk around immodest and your friend is immodest? What happens if you know you're not allowed to eat pork and your friend's eating pork? What happens if you know you're not to drive on Shabbat and your friend's driving on Shabbat and you just decide, no, no, I'm not going to tell him. Let him figure it out on his own. What does the Gemara say in Masechet Shabbat and a few other places in the Shas? What does it say? You bear the sin. The sin of Chilul Shabbat. The sin of immodesty. The, all the sins that they're doing and you didn't tell them and you know, now it's your sin. It goes into your account. They also get punished for it, but so do you. You're also counted as a Mechalel Shabbat and Shamaim. And that's what this verse is telling us here in the second part. Rebuke your fellow and don't bear a sin. What does it mean, don't bear a sin? Don't bear the sin on yourself. Why are you going to make yourself a sinner? By not rebuking him. And then it finishes off by saying, you shall love your fellow as yourself. What does it all have to do with love? You just said stop hating them." then rebuke him, then don't sin. What does it all have to do with love? Love, Rabotaye is that keeping the truth to yourself means you hate them. Sharing the truth, however painful it may sound, is actually loving them. That's love, telling Am Israel that they're all anusim, they're all uh, stolen babies that don't know right or left. They're all like Christians. They're all like uh, uh, the Arabs. They're all like everybody else. And you just stay that way. You aren't born in a religious family, like uh, uh, you know some people in history and so on and so forth. So stay you religious. Stay nothing. Don't worry. Everything is okay. Hashem loves you. Hashem loves you. Hashem loves you. Hashem says, "What well, I love you." You hate you hate them, and they're gonna get punished for it. What love is this? Now this all sounds like kinda of difficult. Kinda of difficult, especially since we're actually sitting inside Breslev. Breastliv, most people know Breslev as a place of love and simcha, mitzvah to be simcha. It's a big mitzvah to be with simcha. Rabbi Nachman always said to be besimcha, and he did say to be besimcha. But he also said a few other things. He also said a few other things, and I'm going to tell you what he said. Now it's not my words. This is lekutem ma'aran. Lekutem ma'aran. This is Rabbi Nachman. Now there are other books that his Talmidim wrote in his name, but this is one he wrote. Meaning, this is it. This is it. Doesn't get better than this. Doesn't get more ver. This is it. It's the signatures on this. Okay. Now, for his honor, for the tzaddik's honor, it's time we actually see what he says. Let's see what he, he agrees with. Riding around a, uh, a automobile with break dancing. Maybe he agrees with it. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, telling everybody that tzaddiki, Maybe he agrees with it. Maybe he doesn't. Saying, no one's a rasha, Maybe he agrees. Maybe we, it's, we have to see what does he actually say. So we're not going to go over the entire book because that would take years. Well, I'll just give you a few points that I went over with my rav that I think are is important for us to know. Now, for all of those people that want to be breast lovers, because they like the breakdancing, they like uman, uh, and they think that you could pretty much be religious just because you have long payas, uh, you're uh, in, in a certain type of clothing, and you dance during your prayer, even though you talk on prayer five minutes later sometimes, and, you know, if they think that's what Breslov is. Rabbi Nachman has a little bit of a different opinion. What is Rabbi Nachman's opinion? In Lekutama Aran, right in the beginning... In Torah Chet Vav, it says, It's important to decipher between the evil and the good. Here, Rabbi Nachman already tells us that evil does exist. Unlike what some fools think, that he just destroyed the Yetzirah. Some people actually say this. Rabbi Nachman Destroyed the Yitzhah. There's no more Yitzhah in the world. So the fact that there's murderers, rapers, pedophiles, uh, war, disaster in the world—that's like a figment of our imagination. Doesn't exist. How do we do all this? Where we dance, we dance. We're happy. How do we do this? How do we just make everything good? Is it by dancing? Is it by going yeah, yeah, yeah during the prayer in the morning? You know, for no reason whatsoever, you're just dancing. Is that, that that how you do it? Is that how you bring good to the world? Is that because I see? I remember, I went one time to a breast lift, I prayed with them after a, a really long shiur, a long night every day. I was very, very tired. So I really want. I, I studied the whole night, baol Hashem, with a few people, and it was kind of you know I wanted to go home. You know, tired. I just studied for fifteen hours straight. I'm tired. I want to go home. So let me get to the prayer, an hour, finished, not three hours. So one time I went to a place and I used to, they prayed for three hours. I want—I I didn't know. My eyes were bleeding already. Like, But what's the prayer? Everybody's dancing. Is that how you bring Mashiach to dance? I want to know. So let's see what Rabbi Nachman says. Al yedet Torah utfilah Torah yelalunu laamkal shel he says and he clarifies for all of those people that just want to read the little breastliver little booklets and they think that they're breathlivers because they read the little booklets or they read what the website said. They get the little uh, text message or email every day. And from breast liver, and they think, oh, I'm a breast liver. I do it, but I do it. I'm in the middle of the farm, in the middle of the woods every day, and I'm in the middle of nowhere, and I talk to a shaman, I'm a breast liver. No, Rabutai, That does not make you a breast liver. It just makes you somebody that's bored and goes into the woods, and you may get a tick on you at some point. You should be careful. You should put some spray or something. But really, how do you, what do you, how do you become a breast liver? How do you become a Talmid? How do you become a Talmid of Rabbi Nachman? He tells you exactly... It's to Torah and prayer. What kind of Torah? Can I just read the little booklets? It's no, limut Torah. This this limut Torah. What is it? Leamka, deep Torah. What kind of deep Torah? Alacha poskim, the alacha, the debates between the sages of what's yes and what's no, and how they got in the right. The bottom line is the most difficult part of Torah. Bottom line, the most difficult part of Torah. You want to be a breast liver? you want to be a Talmud of Rabbi Nachman. Start learning poskim rabotai. Your dancing is not helping you anyone one bit. And how does he start off? Is it's time to decipher the good and the evil. What does that have to do with good and evil? is the God goes and learns poskim, goes and learns the Torah, goes and does what Hashem said. The evil pretends like they're doing what Hashem says. Now, some people, when I talk about wicked people, they don't like it. They think that it's not nice. So let's see what Rabbi Nachman says. It's actually before what we just started. He says. It says, not only is a person supposed to go against the wicked, not only is it allowed, you're supposed to. Supposed to go against the wicked people. If they're wicked, they're against the Shem. there's no problem. It's one of the mitzvot in the Torah. There's no way, uh, this is not a debate. Here already, the entire motto of many people that call themselves breast lovers was just shattered. Why? Because many of them are under this false belief that there's no such thing as a wicked Jew or a wicked person. I don't know who told them this, but it's not Rabbi Nachman. Now let's continue. If maybe he's referring to just one place, there's one type of wicked person, but there's not many. Like as well, you know, maybe the the, the guy that's like a missionary. Maybe he's talking about missionaries. Maybe he's talking about the atheists. Maybe he's talking about the guys that are like are selling pig in the middle of the Jewish market. Maybe he's talking about those. That's what people say. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Rabbi Nachman, of course he said there's wicked people. Of course. Well, of course there's wicked people. But he's not talking about us, He's talking about, you know, other people. Far away, far, 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 never, never land. Okay, we continue. If we continue, and we go to Torah Chaf. Torah Chaf hey, Rabbi Nachman says, He says, when a person goes and prays to Hashem, as we said earlier, there are two things that need to be done in order for a person to become a tzaddik. One is prayer, two is Torah. It says when a person goes and prays to Hashem, he has to ask and plead with Hashem, beg Hashem for matnat chinam. What's matnat chinam? Free gift. Why? I don't really deserve anything, Hashem. I'm not a tzaddik, I'm not perfect. I don't really deserve what you already gave me to ask you for more, is my It's too much. I should really just say thank you. Really, what it should be, Rabbotai, Shmona Monaisleh shouldn't be Tvilach Monaisleh. Shmona Monaisleh is 19 prayers. Even though it always says 18, it's 19 because the Chachamim added the 19th one to go against the evil, go against the wicked people. But Shmona Monaisleh, if you notice, the first three prayers. Atfilot Shwach, there are three prayers that compliment Hashem. How great he is, revives the dead, and so on and so forth. Holy of holies. Really, it should end there. Why? Just give Hashem compliments. Be quiet. That's it. I think Hashem agrees just with this. Three, you will say, Thank you, Hashem. You're amazing. Quite okay, Why? Who are you to ask for anything from the King of Kings? What? He works for you. Oh no, Hashem, give me promise Why? If I want to give you, I'll give you. I need your instructions to give you. That's really what it should be. But because He's our Father and not only our King. He's our King, but also our Father. We're allowed to ask. We're allowed to ask. He actually wants us to ask. That's why He gave us the man every day, and not every year. Because he wants us to ask, and he wants us to compliment them. But in reality, Rabbi Nachman says, know this, when you're going and praying to Hashem, you're asking for matnat chinam, you're asking for a free gift. Why? In reality, you don't deserve it. In reality, you don't deserve it. Now, it continues. V'lo yitle be don't think that you have any shuyot, any merits or anything like that. Don't rely on any of your merits. Even if, let's say, for example, you've gotten much better lately and so on, you still got a lot of work to do, in so many words. And if I fast forward half a verse and it says, <laughs> V'raim. Part of the purpose of this prayer is to understand is that you have an obligation to defeat the ra'im. What's the ra'im? The wicked. In reality, that's what you should be praying for, to defeat the wicked. Which wicked? Which wicked is he talking about? The missionaries? Is he talking about the, the people that are selling pig? Which wicked? A ra where in your Keilah, in your bekneset, in your neighborhood, in your community, with the beard and the hat and everything, inside is ra. Not somewhere else. Don't talk about the missionaries and the Christians and the Catholics and the and the uh, Islam. And all. No, no, no. We're not talking about them. There's a different section for them. We're talking about the ra shebaeda inside your neighborhood, in bekneset, and everything. Because a person needs to know when there's people, there's a lot of people, there's good and there's bad. It's not just people that are far away are bad. And, and everybody here is Tzadikim. And our job is to destroy, to submit, to subjugate the wicked of the wicked. Now, how do you do such a thing? How do you do it? How do you do it? If we continue and we go to Torah Bet, Aleph, Likutem Aran Torah Chavbet right in the beginning, Dashi eshotam veeshotam betoch eshotam. There's a seal, and there's a seal within a seal, meaning signatures of Hashem. Chotamu al shem she'em lemudeh Hashem. Meaning there is a, uh, I'm sorry, Chotam hu ki yesh mokrichei ador, ve'em be'kinot raglin, ve'nikrain raglin al shem she'em lemudeh Hashem. In essence, there are people that are like the seal. They have the seal of approval of Hashem. They have the seal of approval of Hashem. They are the messengers of Hashem. They're called like the legs of Hashem. They're the messengers of Hashem. Who are these? The mochichei ador. Who's mochichei ador? What's mochichei ador? Rebukers. Anyone that speaks Hebrew knows like Amos of Yer. means people that go and rebuke. They're the legs of Hashem. Who are these people? It's as if Hashem himself is sending messengers that have, he's giving them the message, the advice. And they give him the messages back of what's happening, what's in essence they are consulting with Hashem. And they're going with his permission to Israel, to Am Yisrael, to rebuke them in order to return them to Hashem Yitzbarach. It doesn't say, they go to Israel and tell them, listen, I love you, you're a tzaddik, you're a tzaddikah, even though you're half naked, even though you're half naked, even though you guys are cheating. No, no, it doesn't say that. It says, how does he get He goes do He goes to rebuke them. That's how you get people to do tshuvah, to rebuke them. Now, where is this source for this Rabbi Nachman uses? Of course, everything has to have a source. Rashi, Rashi says it, where? On his commentary on Exodus 11. Rashi says on, on his pasuk in Exodus 11, that when it says, and the nation goes... By your in your direction, in essence, these are the people that are the rebukers of Am Yisrael. The rebukers of Am Yisrael are going with the signature of Hashem. They are going with the permission of Hashem. torah And what does Hashem do with these rebukers? How how do they know what to say? How do they know what to say? Megalel lahem din Hashem gives them words to say in their mouth, because in essence he gives them the message of what is the decree against the generation. According to the laws of the Torah, it's against the generation. They go and rebuke the generation in order to bring them back to good, in order to sweeten the decree, because right now the decree, Hashem Yerachem, is evil. The decree is a holocaust. The decree is a pogrom, Hashem Yachem. The decree is AIDS, cancer, bad things. Every minute, every minute is bad news. Every second we have bad news. Right before, on the way to the lecture, somebody sent me a message, please pray for this little baby. One month old, fell, broke her head, she actually has a broken skull. One month old. There's no shortage of horrible news. The, the Torah, the five books of Moses, Parashat Bechukhotaye B'chashat Kitavo, Kitavo is coming up. Kitavo says the deen, the the decree can get to such a horrible point that the horrible decrees that we had yesterday, we're gonna miss them because the ones today we have. Meaning the situation can get so bad, you're gonna miss the horrible days of yesterday. Yesterday you got electrocuted. Oh, I miss it. What do you mean you miss it? Today I'm being drowned. That's how horrible the decree is. Hashem says, I'm going to give the messages to the people that actually are rebuking the nation. What to tell them? Why is it happening? Khilul Shabbat, Khilul Hashem, Khilul this, Khilul that. That's why it's happening. Now, is there a way to do it? Like Maybe you should say it in a nicer way. More polite, be a little lower, more monotone. Be nice, guys, please. Be nice. Hashem loves you. You're all tzaddikim. No, you should say it right. So Rabbi Nachman is going to tell us how to do it. There's a very famous verse that Tami they bring peace to the world. So how so? Rabbi Nachman says, what does it mean that Tami Dechachamim bring peace to the world? does not it mean that they say that everybody's tzaddik? That's what people always constantly say. No. They bring peace. They bring peace. You yell and scream, and your voice is so scary, and your face is scary, and this is scary. Everybody's scary. 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 It's not. It's not shalom. It's it's war. Rabbi Nachman is going to tell us what's war and what's peace. He says, "What does it mean?" That the, the teachings of Hashem bring peace to the world. Moshe in Isaiah fifty four. That all of your sons are, in essence, the teachings of Hashem. This is bringing peace to your sons. What does it mean? Because the purpose of these children is to make peace. What's this peace? The peace between Israel, Am Israel, and their father in heaven. How do they do this? How do they do this? This is my favorite part, by the way. It was worth it to come to the shiur just for this part. Just for this part. How do you do this? Ulefanav, meaning in front of Hashem. barach maktinim maktanim ha'davar u'mamzilim tov ba'adam. It says in front of Hashem. We make it, it's not a Hashem, it's smaller, they didn't mean it to drive on Shabbat, they didn't know, they didn't mean it to eat pig, they thought it was kosher, they didn't mean it to do idol worship, they thought it was allowed, they didn't mean to go to the church, they thought it was a bit Knesset, they didn't mean it Hashem. In front of Hashem, in front of Hashem, they minimized the sin of Am Yisrael. this sounds good for us, sounds good, not such a big deal. But in front of the people's faces, in front of Am Yisrael, when you go and give lectures, when you write books, you make this sin much worse than what it is. Reshaim, stop violating Shabbat. Hashem loves you, but he's going to destroy you if you don't do tshuva. Where does Rabbi Nachman get this? This is scary. Where is this, this is a scary version of Rabbi Nachman? Where does he get this from? None less than Moshe Rabenu. Where he continues, etzel Moshe." Shamar Barach. Just like we found with Moshe, how Moshe did it? Moshe Rabenu, who said to Hashemid Barach in the Book of Exodus thirty-two, Lama "Lamayichrei apicha beamecha." Why he so mad at Hashem? Why he so mad at Hashem? What's the big deal? Okay, so they idol worshipped. Okay, no, it shouldn't peep your kids. No, kids cause trouble, Hashem. Kids cause trouble. They didn't mean it. They thought something else. They thought this. Eh, it's a big deal, Hashem. Relax, no. They're your kids after all. Moshe went in front of Hashem. said, come on, Hashem, why are you so mad? Meaning it's not that big of a deal. But then he went to Am Yisrael. He says, Uli Israel amar? Why did he say to Israel? In the same place? Atem chata, tem chata'a gdola you made a big sin. He didn't say it's not a big deal, guys. You're all tzaddikim. Everything's okay. He says, you made a big sin. Yeah, but two minutes ago, he said to Hashem, it's not a big deal. Yes, to him, I said it's not a big deal. In reality, we all know you're big sinners. You have to do tshuva. I'm fighting for you. If I tell him, really, I know it's a really big sin. They're all horrible. This he destroy you. So I'm fighting for you because I love you. But in reality, I'm telling you the truth, that it's really a big sin, also because I love you. Also because I love you. There's even a seal bigger than those rebukers. Somebody that's even bigger and greater than those rebukers. Who? Who's even bigger than the rebuker? The people that listen to the rebuker. Accept it and do it. You. You here are listening, accepting... I'm saying, you know what? i got to do something about it. Rabbi Nachman is not joking. He's not breakdancing. <laughs> so the whole issue, also, the people that say, wait a minute, you're really never supposed to be sad. You know, when I think about my sins, it makes me sad, it makes me sad. So Rabbi Nachman also talks about this too. When I think about my sins, it makes me sad and sad and sad. So in Torah Memtet, in Torah Memtet 49, towards the end of Dalit, he says, It's very, very important for a person, simply, to preserve himself from negative thoughts. Why? Because negative thoughts, These negative thoughts are... The ways, the tools of the Yetzera. So he has to make sure that he always thinks, he's, he's in control of his thoughts. And to force himself to have positive thoughts. Because this is the positive trait. Why? What's the purpose of these positive thoughts? I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I'm thinking it's going to be good. What does it mean to have positive thoughts, negative thoughts? What's the point? What's the... This is the part everybody knows. What's the point of all of it? He says, Why? What's the point of these positive thoughts? Positive thoughts are meaning positive thoughts to fix our midot, to fix our positive deeds, to have prayer with full kavanah and actual meaning. Why? In order to do tshuva. Because the way we're supposed to serve Hashem is with specific... um, Uh, like to be very very precise don't just worship him when you feel like it wake up when you feel like it do when you feel like it no there's an actual system you have to follow him as he said as he said and you have to be very precise because you're dealing with the king you're not dealing with yourself and the last thought and the last thought in regards to this and then we'll move on for all of those people that say, yeah, but uh, but uh, these negative thoughts, now you're mentioning to me that I have to do tshuva, I'm going to start thinking about all the times that I wasted seed, all the times that I went out with the non-Jews, all the times that I stole, all the times that I did this, all that, it makes me very depressed. So what does Rabbi Nachman say about this, being depressed about these negative, because it's natural, if a person does tshuva, he's going to be depressed. What does is, what is Rabbi Nachman says about depression? Because all the people that talk about breast lift, breast, lip, breast lip, be happy, be happy, dance, be happy, breakdance, be happy, breakdance. Be happy, breakdance. So what do you say about these negative thoughts? Because now I'm thinking about all my sins. In order to do tshuva, you have to think about all your sins. So what, is it? what do you think about this? In Torah, Kuftet, 109, he says in the beginning, There's a wicked person his entire life, but then, people think, Na Nachman. Na Na Nachman is just uh, just a coincidence that it's Rabbi Nachman's uh, uh, name. Na means he feels sorry. There's a wicked person his whole life who starts becoming sorry about his past. v'shalom and there's also chas v'shalom, God forbid, a righteous person in his core. V'toah also makes mistakes. And he's also na. He's also sorry. He's also na. What's na? He's also sorry. There's two roots here. There's two. There's two people. There's the rasha and then the righteous. One has is connect his, his, his impurity his whole life. The other one has purity his whole life. They both have free choice. Whoever, in his own free choice, and his own free will, connects himself and sanctifies himself by doing tshuva because he's sorry, is now going to connect himself to the Kedusha. Meaning, a person can start even wicked, all righteous, but he makes a mistake. Feeling na, feeling sorry, is a good thing. Why? Because na, feeling sorry, will lead you to do tshuva. And doing tshuva will lead you to kedusha, will lead you to holiness. That is, Rabotai, and the Mahara, just 1% of 1% of what Rabbi Nachman actually said. You, I gave you the sources and the highlights if anyone wants to see it. I have the book even. So you don't think I wrote it. The book, it has highlights, it has little pages like all my books, Baruch Hashem, have many wonderful things of different things that I think should be mentioned. You can see it. You can buy it. You can, it's, it, I didn't write it. This is real breastplate. This is real Torah. Not once did he mention breakdancing. Not ones that he mentioned, you should just feel good regardless. In fact, the opposite. He does not contradict for a half a moment any of the sages before him or after him. And that's why this Mishnah fits perfectly. Sofalit Kayim. What Rabbi Nachman and all of the tzaddikim before him and after him meant was good, it was for the sake of heaven. The fact that many people manipulated it and destroyed it and made it seem like it's something else is a problem. But in the end, the truth still comes out. In the end, anyone that really looks into what they said, what's actually written in the books, the truth comes out eventually. And you see that what people do and what the holy rabbis actually said are two different things. Two different things. Many people call themselves Chabad. How many real Chabadniks are in the world? Not even a percentage or a percentage of people who call themselves Chabad. Why? Because Chabadniks, real Chabadniks, were willing to sacrifice their life for the smallest mitzvah you could possibly imagine. For Netilat Yadayim, for Tzitzit, for Chanukah, for a rabbinical mitzvah, they were willing to sacrifice their life, real Chabadniks. Today, not so much. Many people call themselves Chabad, but they're not. Same thing with Brestlef, same things with a lot of same things with just general, traditional, orthodox Jews. There's nothing, a specific attack on any one particular. The point is, Abutai, you have to verify what is actually written. What's the truth? Because the truth is the only thing that matters. Because that's the only thing that's going to actually survive. Survive this world, survive this sheker, this lies, this world of lies that we're in. But it's important to know that the kavod for the chachamim, the kavod for the sages is very, very important because if a person disregards what the sages said, disregards the Torah, or even treats the sages as if they're just like them, then they're making a very critical mistake. The Gemaraim Masechet Shabbat says that the the actual amoraim. The sages at the time of the Gemara say it about themselves. They say, if the generation before us, the Tanaim, if the generation before us were actually the sons of angels. Here. Gemara Masechet Shabbat 112b. Rabbi Zerah said in the name of Rava Barzimuna. Imri If the early ones, meaning the scholars of the previous generation to them, were sons of angels. Anu anashim, we are sons of men, meaning if they're sons of angels, we're so much lower, we're sons of men. Anashim, but if the early ones were sons of men, Anu kehamurim. We are like donkeys. And they're saying about themselves. They're able to revive the dead. We just see dead people. If they're sons of men, we are like donkeys. And not like uh, the donkeys of Rabbi Hanina Ben Dosa or the donkeys of Rabbi, of Rabbi Pinchas Ben Yair but rather like any other ordinary donkey. What was so special about these two different donkeys? Rabbi Hanunah Ben-Yair's donkey, the, uh, the Gemara tells in Masechet Chulin, says that he once, Rabbi ben actually once came by uh, the, uh, was at an inn, and the innkeeper, the guy that was in essence like a hotel of its day, a motel of its day, Fed wanted to feed his donkey. Rabbi Pinchas, donkey wanted to feed him some food, so wanted to give him some barley. But the donkey didn't want to eat. Why didn't he want to eat? He goes, "Why? The donkey is not hungry. He just traveled from city to city. A donkey doesn't get hungry. What kind of donkey is this?" So Rabbi Pinchas says, "No, my donkey knows that you didn't take ma'asel from your barley. He doesn't eat untithed food. It's not allowed. So it's against the Torah." The donkey knows if I took myself. Yes. The donkey is a tzaddik. So here the Gemara says, if the previous generation were sons of men, were like donkeys, but not even this donkey, where the regular donkey doesn't know anything, if they say about themselves they're like donkeys, what are we? So this is not to depress anyone. This is just a reality check. When a person says, I disagree with the sages, they have to understand who are they dealing with. I'm going to give you a story I just heard a couple of times in my life. Each time it shocked me more. There is a very famous sage from the 1800s by the name of Rabbi Ariel Leib Hillel, also known as Ketzot Khoshan. That's was the name of one of his books in regards to and Shulchan Aruch and so on And Rabbi Elieb the Ketot khoshen already when he was a young boy his father knew this one is special this boy is special he was already known as somebody special very gifted tzaddik, righteous smart everything I gotta send him to go get special learning who did he learn with? He went to learn with one of the G'dolei Adol by the name of Rabbi, Rabbi Meshulam Igra. Full name, Rabbi Meshulam ben, ben Shimshon Igra. This is in Galicia, in today known as Ukraine. And he learned with him for years. Later on, the K'zot Achoshin continued, grew in Torah, grew in Mitzvot, grew in Kedusha, and wrote the Ksota Khoshen. Wrote first part. First part. What are you going to do first part? You go bring it to your rabbi. Look what I wrote. What do you think of it? Is it right? Is it wrong? Do you agree? Do you this? Do you that? Surabim Meshun Amigra was such a genius. Such a genius. He says, uh, Tell me, tell me uh, this book. Okay, tell me one Chidush. Tell me one thing that you wrote in this book. One. One thing. Not the whole thing. Not the whole chapter. Just pick anything. Just one thing you wrote. So, Ketot says, I wrote such and such. So, be Meshulam Igra was able to literally enter the mind of the Ketot and his thinking. He says, Ah! So, if you wrote this, so probably in the next chapter this is what you wrote also. And in the next chapter, you wrote this. And in the other chapter before it, you wrote this. Meaning he was able, just from him telling him one thing, to tell him everything he wrote from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. He didn't copy the book. It's his own thoughts. It's his own chidushim. He gave him one chidush. And he was able, to, the, 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 Rabbi Meshulam was able to tell him the entire book. Because he was able to understand his mind of how he g- arrived at this thought and what he thought next. The Ketzot ha'choshen shattered for a second. He's like, Kvodarav, maybe you could just tell me what I'm going to write in the next book ahead of time? Khabim Mishulam Igra understood he made a mistake, understood that him. Showing him that he agrees with his Torah. He likes his thoughts. He appreciates his thoughts. But he made it seem like it was too easy. He made it seem like it was not so special. And he made the Ketzot maybe, maybe he made by one sentence. Maybe maybe made a little weaker. Mishunam took on himself Ta'aniyot fast for the rest of his life until his enti- entire mouth Went black. And he promised and vowed to never write another book again himself. You have one book that you have, other than that, never wrote nothing. Why? He says this is my tshuva. Maybe I disrespected Atalmitham. Yeah, it's your student though. No. Such is the genius of of people from 200 years ago. Go show me one person, the smartest secular person on planet Earth that could do half of what I just said. Half. Ten percent of what I just said. People, when you say Talmit Chacham, people think, yeah, he probably knows a few things by heart. Yeah, he probably wrote a book. They think Talmud Chacham, they think a Torah scholar is like an English scholar. It's like a mathematician. Or a chess player. They have no concept of what a real Talmud Chacham is. What the, This is not genius in human form like you understand it. But at the same token, such is the value of a Talmud Chacham and going against such a person. you go against such a person, what a horrible decree you're bringing on yourself. What a horrible judgment you're bringing on yourself. To go say, yeah, I did not like his lectures. He's a, I think he's an idiot. I think he's a this. I think he's a that. What horrible things a person brings on themselves when they say such stupid things. Because even the holy rabbis were scared of their own students to make their own students weaker. How much should we be scared of our Rabbis? So when you have machloket, when you have a debate, it's very important that you know what you're fighting for. Why are you fighting? Why is there a fight for? What's the point of it? Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? Are you doing it for the right reason? Are you motivated purely in order to find the truth, like Rav said? Or are you motivated to prove that you're right? If you're motivated to find the truth, you will succeed. If you're motivated to be right, you lose. And you already lost. We'll continue the rest of this Mishnah tomorrow because it's going to go on for another half, another probably hour or two.